0: You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine-to-five. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Corporate Quitter. I'm your host, Gabby Ayanel, and today's guest I'm super excited about because I'm similarly passionate to what she is. Carolina Jad-Kowalska. She's a certified alcohol-free life coach who helps powerful women make alcohol insignificant in their lives. She's worked with thousands of clients through her online courses and coaching to change their drinking habits and unleash a new level of health, happiness, and potential to go after their biggest dreams. Her book, Euphoric, Ditch Alcohol and Gain a Happier, More Confident You, which is published by HarperCollins and will be featured in Target, will be out on bookshelves on January 4th, 2022. She's the host of Euphoric, the podcast, founder of Euphoric, alcohol-free, and her work has been featured in the Huffington Post, PopSugar, Authority Magazine, Greatest, and Elite Daily. Carolina's passionate about helping you discover what really makes you happy outside of a beverage and design a life you love, which I'm all about all these things because as people who've been following me know that I have cut alcohol from my life almost completely, and it's actually changed the way in which I like live my life and has actually helped me gotten closer to my dreams than I would have had I actually had alcohol.
1: I love hearing that, you know, and I think the same thing happened to me and these aren't kind of anomalies. I think it's really actually the kind of normal response and the normal benefit that someone gets when they look at their relationship with alcohol, which is why I'm just so passionate about talking about this topic and doing a, a deep dive into it. Because no matter kind of where you land on the spectrum, I think having just more awareness and curiosity is always going to be helpful. And especially the personal growth that you might be able to do around your relationship with alcohol could literally ripple effect and transform all these other areas of your life and really help you go after what you truly want in life, which, again, is so much bigger than a beverage.
0: Yeah. I know that we've talked, but can you like get into your story a bit? I'm sure that you went through the phase like we all did in our twenties of like, you just go out drinking and you do the thing and right. Go with the motions. But like, how did you go from like that kind of life to like now basically being the person behind an alcohol-free movement and like finding the courage to leaving your nine to five and now not only creating a thriving business, but being an author, which I'm sure has been like a
1: total 360 for you. Absolutely. And I think it's so funny that you bring up the kind of parting that we do with when you're younger. And it's sometimes I like to just like step out of like a very subjective look at the world and become really objective and really look at like the conditioning and the social norms that we're all kind of under as we grow up. And like you said, alcohol is like a rite of passage. Most people in the United States or most Western countries don't really get out of that kind of rite of passage or, you know, having that kind of habit Become present in their lives. And it does start when we're teenagers or in college or, or whenever it is. And then what often ends up happening is we form this habit, we form this relationship with alcohol, and it becomes very unconscious for the rest of our lives. It becomes really outdated. We don't really look at it again unless, unless you have a problem. Only then would you look at this alcohol habit if you're hitting rock bottom, if you're, you know, getting a DUI, if like horrible things are happening, you're drinking vodka in your closet, you know, things like that, these stories that we hear. And I think it's so funny because when it comes to alcohol, we just don't talk about it as a society. We either talk about the planning, like, hey, let's go get drinks, let's go to this winery this weekend, we talk about that, or the only other time we talk about it is when it hits that extreme problem, and then we start talking about alcoholism. And AA and recovery, all those kinds of things. Really missing the entire middle of all this other phenomenon and consumption levels and drinking habits. So, personally, I did party hard when I was younger. Uh, But basically, as I grew up, as I really got into my mid to late 20s, I really wanted to be a healthy, mindful individual, and I had started cultivating a really a lot healthier of a lifestyle at that point in my life, and I did the good things. I meditated, I worked out, I drank my green juice, I made my fruits and vegetables, and I basically lived this like Jekyll and Hyde kind of lifestyle. So Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday was like, you know, I was good. I was eating well. I wasn't drinking. But then every weekend, basically how I kind of negotiated it was like, well, that's what I do. I'll go out with my friends then. I'll I'll have brewery nights, game nights, sushi nights, dinner parties, all the things. And that's how I thought I could make alcohol work in my life and have this balance The only thing about that is this balance drove me crazy, basically, because every Monday morning I woke up feeling depressed, physically unwell, like all the healthy steps I took during the week completely got washed away by the weekend. And I was starting like five steps backwards, really. And just kind of Pondering like, what the heck am I doing wrong? I obviously wasn't drinking every day and drinking these incredibly insane amounts that we think of when we think of someone who has a very severe problem. I thought I was doing what everyone else was doing with alcohol. Sure, sometimes I would totally overdrink. I could go to a party and have way too many and wake up super ashamed and hungover the next day, but sometimes it was just one or two. And so I couldn't quite figure it out. Like, why can I make this work in my life? And I think we're given this image and lots of our clients. Culture and movies and even TV shows have contributed to it. But think of like Sex in the City. We have this like idea of a healthy, successful woman, and she wakes up, and she works out, and she, you know, meditates or whatever, and then she goes smashes it at her job, and then she goes to happy hour with her friends afterwards, and then wakes up and does the whole thing all over again. And it's like, to me, one thing didn't fit with the others. One thing didn't allow me to do all that other stuff. It always had me waking up on the wrong side of the bed, basically. And I was like pulling my hair out. Like, why can't I figure this out? Why can't I be like Carrie in Sex in the City? Like, she was never hungover or low or depressed, right? For years, I thought that if I did make any changes, it was basically admitting that I did have a problem and that I would be labeled and typecasted as someone who was an alcoholic. And I honestly personally don't even really buy into that word. It's actually not used in the medical literature anymore because it's not like you're either normal or you're an alcoholic. That's not true. That's not how it functions. Most people actually overdrink. <laughs> that's that's what we found in, in consumption levels across the United States. Most people drink more than they should or are above the health guidelines. And so it's more of like, let's now look at this as a phenomenon that happens to a lot of drinkers, most drinkers, instead of like, okay, only a few people here. And basically what I did is I decided to, you know, I was living with this internal cognitive dissonance of just really feeling like I was taking five steps forward, 10 steps backward every single week. And I was so sick of myself every week. It was the same scheming. It was the same mental gymnastics. It was like Should I? Should I not? You know, okay, I have a presentation tomorrow, but my friends invited me out. You know, just this mental rumination that was taking up so much mental space. And I just got so sick of thinking about alcohol. Like, what a petty thing to think about all the time. What a waste of my talent and creativity. And I decided to take a break from alcohol. And I basically did it when dry January came around one year. And I was like, okay, this is a thing. People take, you know, the month of January off. I don't have to tell people I have a problem. I can just do this dry January and have this perfect excuse. And I did dry January and I fell in love. I really, really enjoyed my experience of not drinking. I was sleeping better. I had more time to read, to journal. I was playing board games with my husband. I was goofing around with my niece more often. It just felt so like wholesome and freeing. Like I wasn't trying to numb or distract my experiences away. I was just like settling into like what it feels like to be a human. And when February came around, I just still didn't believe I had any alternatives. I was like, normal adults drink. Therefore, if I want to be normal, I must drink. You know, it was like a code. It was so ingrained in me. And I went back to drinking in February. And even just one or two drinks would completely ruin my mood. I was super euphoric. I was super appreciative, filled with gratitude and so much wonder when I wasn't drinking. And just one or two drinks would make me frustrated, cranky. I didn't sleep very well that night. And that contrast really showed me, oh my gosh, like drinking sucks. (laughs) Like it's not what I thought it was. And I decided to take another break at that point. And basically, that break turned into four years later, and my life started getting better and better every single month. Not only did my health improve, my energy improved, my happiness levels improved, but also these dreams that I had had kind of put on the back burner onto the someday goals of my life started to be something I wanted to work on every day. And I got a lot of confidence from taking a break from alcohol because it was my Achilles heel for so long. And when I was smashing it, you know, the first two weeks I went, the first 20 days I went, the first 50 days I went, I felt like Superwoman. And I was like, if I can do this, what else could I do? And it really just unleashed this entire new path for me of going after some of my biggest dreams, like you said. And in that first year, I did launch a business. I launched a podcast. I wrote the first draft of my book in that first year. I eventually left my day job, and now I do the things that I only dreamed of, you know, a few years ago. Traveling the world whenever I want, being my own boss, having a book, and being an author. Like, these were pipe dreams for me. I didn't realize that my relationship with alcohol was really the big thing standing in my way. And not because I was drinking too much or because it was a problem— But taking a break from alcohol just unleashes so many gifts, so much momentum, creativity, intuition, courage, motivation to go after the things you really want. At the end of the day, it's not about a beverage. It's about what do you want most in life, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. (laughs)
0: But I love it though, because like you had said, I think the norm is just everyone just drinks, right? It's not like, even if you don't want to do it, it's just like, oh, we're meeting for happy hour. Like, right. It's the networking thing to do. It's like, if you don't drink, people question you like, and also people equate alcohol to fun. Like if you're not drinking, you're boring. You're not having fun. Like your life sucks. Whereas I now like you having experimented, not drinking, I've realized that that's a complete BS, but like, how did you remove alcohol from your life? And like, how does it even start? Because right, you have the social life to think about, like FOMO, like
1: how do you even go about doing that if you wanted to start? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one, it starts with just like this awareness building, you know, and I have to look back that Even though I took a break from alcohol, it seemed like the first step. I was actually thinking about it and like really getting to know myself and reflecting on it for years before that. And so just having awareness and knowledge can really help. And some of the knowledge and awareness that I really gained was really discerning whether alcohol was helping me live by my values in life, if it was helping me be the person I wanted to be. And I really got that ingrained in my mind that it wasn't, you know, it really wasn't. It wasn't, I valued health and I would wake up purposely feeling unwell. I valued connection, and I used this artificial substance to fake bond with people. You know, I valued things like presence, and yet I was mindless every time I turned to a drink. So it just was so incongruous with who I wanted to be. But after I did that knowledge phase and really just started kind of getting a lot more introspective about who I was and what I wanted, I took a break. And so that was my first step, and I just decided not quitting forever, you know, not making it this black and white thing, but like Ever since I was 17 years old, I've always had alcohol as a presence in my life. I don't even know what it feels like to be an adult without alcohol. And what if it's mind-blowing how amazing it is? And so having that kind of mind frame can be really helpful when you go into a break. And like I share in my book, Euphoric, Ditch Alcohol and Gain a Happier, More Confident You... There's so many benefits that happen. The health benefits are incredible. The energy levels, the sleep, the mindset changes, your sense of self-love changes, your self-respect changes, your sense of gratitude up levels a lot. Like just so many things happen and all of these things are just these beautiful gifts along the way when you take a break from alcohol. So I decided to take a break, and that's the thing is you're not committing to forever, you're just picking a reasonable time frame that you think is challenging but you know you could do. You know, when women get pregnant for example, most people don't have a problem not drinking for 9 months because that just becomes the most important thing in their life. It's just like a non issue. And same thing, like if you just say, I'm just not going to drink for 30 days, no matter what, you can really have this commitment around it and get really proud of yourself for every day you go. And even like seven days is a great start. Like, you know, there's just so many ways to play with it wherever someone is. And don't beat yourself up if that's hard. It's just you're kind of building a muscle that hasn't been worked out before, you know? I remember the first Friday night I didn't drink felt so weird because it was just my go to way to like reward myself for the hard week. But eventually, like you said, I really learned how to discover my own sense of fun. And I think that it's so interesting that we have this big limiting belief that alcohol equals fun and a life without it is boring. But can you imagine really spelling that out? Okay, so life with alcohol is fun. So does that mean life without alcohol isn't fun? So then whatever created us, whether it's God or the universe or the theoretical physics that made this planet happen we were meant to ingest this chemical substance in order to fully experience it. Like, that makes no sense to me, right? Like, we live in a playground of magic. There are mountains that we can go visit and ski, and we can go to powder-white beaches, and we can play in jungles, and we can stargaze, and we can go on these gorgeous hikes. And, like, the world around us is pure magic. And there's, like, a 1 in 14 trillion chance that we would ever be here today, right? And so when you have all this wonder again— It's like alcohol is such a passive entertainment. It's basically like putting an electric current to your pleasure stimulus in your brain. It's so passive. You're not doing anything. And yet when you actually get into the role of like, okay, how do I create my own fun? How do I actually find pleasure because I'm an active agent in doing it? You start enjoying the world in a completely new way. This idea that life without alcohol is boring. Like what if we replace that with another Drug Like what if we said life without heroin is boring or life without cocaine is boring? Ridiculous, right? Like that's like crazy and kind of sad to say something like that because life is a magical experience. And so when it comes to socializing, obviously that's a big hang up for people. And I was right there with you. Like I'm an introvert. I was really shy growing up. So for me, alcohol, I believed it made me more confident. Plus, it's expected, right? So I think a lot of us have those two things woven in. Like, it can help with social anxiety, but it's also just what everyone does. And the thing that I find really interesting with it's just what everyone does and it's expected is that there's this uh, statistic that came out that shared that 52% of Americans want to drink less or not at all. So the thing is, like, most of us, the majority, at least 50% of people want to be doing this but for some reason just aren't yet. They maybe not have the introspection or the courage yet to do it. So when you go out and everyone's inviting you out and everyone's going for drinks, I like to just remind myself and remind my clients, half the people here wish they weren't drinking. Just like most people wish they were healthier, but just somehow are stuck in an unhealthy cycle, people want to not rely on alcohol so much, but it's just hard to do because of everything. So when you kind of frame it that way, It's not like you're the odd one out anymore. You start to see yourself as the role model. You start to see yourself as the inspirer, as the leader. You know, when you go out with your friends and you order a mocktail, one, it's no freaking big deal. It's a beverage we're talking about. Like, who cares about what's in your cup? I mean, can you imagine having this much agonizing thought over what you would order at a restaurant? Like, I'm gluten-free, and I'm going to say no thanks to the bread, but then everyone's going to judge me, and my friends are going to think I'm boring. Like, no, we don't think about wheat and gluten that way. So why do we do this? Why do we put so much status into what's in our cups? It's just a liquid in a cup. And so ordering a mocktail or ordering any other beverage that just doesn't have alcohol in it, like you can still do the same things you can go out to the bar to the restaurant to you know whatever you know dinner party or house party and still hang with people and still have a good time and learn and practice how to do that because it really is a muscle that you need to build and remembering that you are doing what most people wish they were doing it honestly starts to become this new normal that you build in your circle of friends Like, if you are the person who starts to order mocktails and be proud of it and be like, yeah, you know, like, this is—I'm going to feel great tomorrow. I'm going to run six miles. I get to hang out with you guys and have fun and laugh, and I get to wake up feeling amazing. Like, nobody with a drink can say that. And you start to really have this sense of pride around it. People will pick up on that and be really—it will pique their interest, their curiosity— they might see the example that you are bringing that might give them the permission to do something similar. It's kind of like a ripple effect that happens, and you have to just kind of be brave enough to go first if you are the first in your friend group. I mean, if you think about it, when it comes to like something like cigarette smoking, right, nobody could give me crap for the fact that I don't smoke cigarettes. That's ridiculous. You know, I'm not in high school anymore. And yet, why do we do that with alcohol? Like, none of us are in high school anymore. It's not a status symbol. Thinking for yourself and being able to choose your well-being over fitting in is such a powerful decision. And it will reward you so much because that courage you're building in this case of, like, saying yes to a mocktail instead of a cocktail— or you know, telling your friends or maybe even changing up how you guys socialize, going to more yoga or hikes or coffee dates instead of always to the bar. It also gives you the courage to do the next big thing, like quit your job and launch a business.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is hard. Like When I first started, I remember going out for a friend's birthday and they were all drinking and the birthday girl was particularly pissed at me for not drinking. And we actually got into an argument and here I am. I feel like an asshole, right? Because it's her birthday and I want to honor her day. But at the same time, I made a promise to myself I was not going to drink on this day. So the first couple hours sucked because she was like upset with me. It was weird, right? Especially you probably felt the same way when you're like first start not drinking. It's like weird in social settings when people are like drinking around you and you just have to like keep powering through. But the really awesome thing that I saw just from that night alone, not even the repercussions of choosing not to drink was that typically when I used to drink, I used to get exhausted like a couple hours later, right? You're just like, overly stimulated, right? Too much caffeine, maybe too much alcohol. You ate too much garbage. And by like a couple hours in, I used to feel like, okay, it's time to go home. But the opposite actually happened because I actively chose not to drink I was able to be out all day and all night and I was dancing and having so much fun and I could actually be present versus like being sloppy and not being able to control my body or control what I said or like even eat things that I didn't want to eat that I knew would make me feel bad. And I I was still able to drive home, right? I was the DD. I didn't have to pay for a taxi. Like it sounds so stupid and silly, but like at the same time, I remember waking up the next day so proud. And even my boyfriend was like, I can't believe you just did that. Like we went literally All day, everyone was day drinking and drinking at night, and I didn't touch a lick of alcohol, and yet I had more fun than a lot of people there. It's like, oh my God, yes, I figured something out.
1: (laughs) It is. It's such a cool secret to find that, and I think like that's the thing. It's a life of more, not a life of less. Like You get to do all the fun things or the same things and more because then you wake up the next day feeling amazing, and you just have such a richer experience really discovering what you enjoy when you're fully present with it like you said dancing without alcohol obviously can be nerve-wracking right for people but there's nothing more thrilling there really isn't those kind of highs that we're looking from alcohol they're so subdued compared to the highs that we get when we are authentically present and getting out of our comfort zone as the real s you know what i mean there's nothing that beats that whether it's going to your first party without drinking dancing without drinking or you know starting your business, launching a blog, all that kind of stuff. It's so incredible how fulfilling that feels, you know, and I think that's a point of pride to have. And also like you could have forever been like it's going to be lame, I'm not going to have fun, all this stuff, and yet you tried it and you let this new experience prove to you like an alternate story, an alternate system of beliefs. And you know, back even to your friend, like the thing is is like there's many different responses someone can have about you not drinking, but anyone giving you a hard time Huge red flag. Most people feel really uncomfortable and insecure about drinking alone because then it points to the fact that they really rely on alcohol or are not confident about their relationship with alcohol. And that's often what happens in the subconscious of someone who's threatened by you not drinking, which actually can be a gift to her, ultimately, if she really introspects on that and says, why did that make me so uncomfortable that she didn't drink? Who knows? It might open doors in her worldview. But I know personally, if I went to a party six years ago and I saw someone not drinking, It would have rocked my world. I'd been like, oh my God, you're allowed to do that?
0: Yeah, right. You almost feel like you you can't do that. Like, it's like, you shouldn't be here. (laughs) Like, you're, it's like a kid, like letting a kid into a bar, like, you know, like, oh, you're not 21, you can't be in here. Like, oh, you're not drinking, you can't be in here. And the other thing, too, that I like that you touched on is like the authenticity factor, because as a business owner, like, you have to be authentic. Like, that's how people buy from you. That's how they trust you. That's how they like pick up your book and read it or listen to your podcast. And that's like, The whole movement behind personal branding is, right, being yourself and monetizing on you being you. So if you're constantly using this, maybe in some cases, a coping mechanism with this chemical, like, you are really not being yourself. Like, you can't be if you're masking yourself that much.
1: And with that, you know, like, alcohol actually is a depressant and slows down your brain and your nervous system. So it's literally numbing you. It's numbing not just the bad and the uncomfortable emotions that might happen from a stressful day. It's numbing all the good stuff, too. And I think those emotions that come up when we're present are some of the greatest teachers in our lives. You know, and for me personally, something I really had to deal with at first was boredom. So boredom was one of the first feelings I felt when I was nervous about going alcohol-free. Like, we kind of talked about it, fun and boredom. But then also, it was like a deeper restlessness And it was only until I really allowed that feeling to wash over me did I discover that I had a deeper unfulfillment with my life. I was not satisfied with my career. Obviously, a bottle of wine at the end of the weekend was the highlight because nothing else exciting was going on for me, nothing else that I was passionate about. And to me, it was the real catalyst that got me to launch a business and change my, you know, career and, and my lifestyle It was really listening to those emotions instead of covering them up and distracting them. And so as you speak of authenticity and being who you really are, it means feeling all your feelings as well, because those are going to guide you to your most intrinsic aligned self, whether it's through your business or through your brand or whatever it is. Um, and it's just a really beautiful aftermath of being present and uh, allowing those things to come up and working through them instead of constantly numbing them.
0: Yeah. And I like how when we originally spoke, you had talked about like, you know, right? Alcohol, obviously, with like cutting out the negative things that we associate with pleasure. But how does someone deal with stress in a healthy way from a coping mechanism? Because right, And just with everything that's happened in the past year, right? COVID, the protests, like change of administration. Like we are in, under such immense pressure and the financial collapse that we're probably kind of under right now, the market's ridiculously hot. Like there are so many things going on right now. How can someone still, it's just basically choose better options, right? Whether it's maybe cutting out the alcohol or in some cases, right? Social media is used as the out to like get rid of the bored feeling, right? The restless feeling, like always turning to the phone because it's right there and it's easy.
1: Yeah, that's such a good question. I think it's like the dilemma of the human condition too, right? Like being (laughs) present to our full experience is what we all want, but it is really hard. (laughs) And, you know, when it comes to like alcohol, and obviously I was right up there thinking that a drink was a treat, that it was a way to unwind at the end of the week, that it was just this way I pampered myself and gave myself the permission to relax. And first of all, like when it came to just alcohol, I really had to learn about some of the science behind it to really debunk that myth. So alcohol is a depressant, and it will slow down your brain, like I mentioned earlier. But our body is also really good at counteracting things like that. So our body has this natural system to release stress hormones, uppers basically, to wake you back up when you drink. So our body releases cortisol, adrenaline, and dynorphin when you drink alcohol. And dynorphin is kind of like endorphins, but the opposite. So think of it that way. They make you feel really low, and all of these things make you feel low and anxious, kind of like a wet blanket has been put on you. And so that happens in response to alcohol, and we usually feel it actually in the middle of the night the most. That's why a lot of people wake up at 3 or 4 a.m. after a night of drinking. Like, you're actually shot with adrenaline at that moment, right? Like, it's actually coursing through your body. And then it stays in your body. Definitely you feel it the next day. A lot of people wake up in a anxiety the next day, just super feeling anxious, like they're behind in life, like they're not doing things right, a little depressed, just worried about what they said or did last night, feeling let down that they didn't stick to their health goals or their intentions. It's not just you, right? It's not just your thoughts, this chemical cocktail that alcohol released in your brain. And I think it's so... Heartening to know that because you know that it's not just you. You know that, like, there's nothing wrong with you. Alcohol does this to your brain. When I learned all this, like, and also those chemicals last in the body for days, if not weeks. So basically, like, a drinker gets to a point where their body and their brain is always kind of stressed out. And then alcohol, like, the 20 minutes of a buzz gives them momentary relief from that. That's why we associate it with being so relaxing. But when you take alcohol out of the picture, your neurochemicals rebalance, So the stress hormones are not being pumped out as much, but then also you increase your levels of dopamine, serotonin, and GABA, because alcohol also lowers all of those. So your natural state becomes a lot happier, a lot more resilient to emotions, a lot more emotionally calm, and able to kind of—obviously, it's not unicorn and rainbows all the time, but you're kind of able to take care of yourself and honor yourself and process and feel those emotions And so I think personally, it's it's this huge introspective journey because instead of numbing the emotion or distracting the emotion away with social media, you have to sit with it. You have to sit with what it's telling you. And a lot of times these emotions are the greatest teachers that we have because like you're not supposed to feel frustrated every single day of your life. You're not supposed to feel scared every day of your life. Those things come up for you to heal, to process, to make shifts in your life. And so if I was feeling frustrated every day, I would actually then have the opportunity to look like, why is that? What happened today? What about my life is not aligned with what I want? What is missing? You know, how can I change something? How can I deal with this inner pain that I'm going through? Is there something coming up that's a lot deeper than just the surface level? Maybe there's something deeper from even childhood or my, you know, like limiting beliefs and something like that and really giving yourself the opportunity to honor those emotions It's funny, but we're told basically to shut them in like all our lives. Oh my God, I know. Don't cry. (laughs) It's funny because,
0: right, when you really think about it, the emotions are just the signal from the body. That's literally what it is. That's just saying that something is not right or we need to address something, whether it's like just the way that something triggers us or whatever it is. That doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just something is going on that you need to like hone in on. Like you'd said, when we numb those things or we do the social media or do the things that take away from actually sitting with them because it's uncomfortable, it actually puts us farther away from what it is we need to do and basically the goals we want to attain because we're not willing to face the emotion, which is, again, a normal human thing.
1: It is. It is. And I think sometimes we f- make ourselves feel stupid for even feeling that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Especially as women. Yeah. And so like honoring that emotion, I think can be really key. And you could do that through journaling. You could do that through meditating or, you know, just even literally any other activity that doesn't involve, you know, alcohol or just these really distracting things, taking a walk or even to me personally, I've teach my clients like you don't have to change the habit completely of drinking. Just change the drink. Like you can still have a lovely ritual where you pour yourself something gorgeous in a cup. You know, there's a zillion drinks out there that you can choose from and and really have a lovely decompression kind of ritual to honor the end of the day. Like, I think rituals are really important for humans, traditions, things like that. Uh, just change the drink, you know, and then you could still be present with it and be reflective through your experience. But, you know, when it comes to, I think, numbing our emotions and distracting them, you can't numb the bad without also numbing the good. And so when I went and took my break from alcohol, I— Experienced emotions that I hadn't experienced in a really long time. Wonder, for example. I used to feel wonder as a kid all the time. You know, like I used to climb trees and put on plays and explore my backyard and just have so much imagination. And I stopped seeing the world that way, obviously, when I grew up and when I started drinking. And that wonder was one of the greatest gifts that I rediscovered, like really being awake and alive to it for the first time ever. I saw things so differently. And that's something I think that mindfulness really cultivates is that sense of wonder and appreciation for our world. And imagine if that's your normal state, if that's what you cultivate every day. You have to work at it, obviously. You don't just wake up feeling that way because humans evolved to survive, not to you know, thrive. We look out for danger. That's our evolutionary biology. But when you cultivate that mindful wonder through different practices, different healthy coping mechanisms, it really can be more of your normal state. And then you remind yourself when you're thrown out of it to have these different anchors or these processes to journal it through and really learn more about yourself. And I think that process in itself will help you know what you really want most in life. Oh, yeah. I know we had talked about
0: this prior when we first connected, too, because I was so excited that we were talking on this. But, like, the other really cool thing that happens other than, like, right, the wonder and astonishment and excitement and, like, all these kind of, I don't want to say childish, but like these, those things that were unique to you when you were a child that we kind of lose in adulthood when we get quote unquote serious, right? When we enter adulting is that your intuition comes full force. Like those, you know, for a lot of people who I talked to and even myself before quitting, it was really difficult for me to think of the business idea or like what steps to take or what I was good at, right? What I could capitalize from a monetize on my skills. And yet once I removed alcohol, it was almost like the third eye open, like she like creaking open after like a long time of being calcified. Or whatever you want to call it, it just felt like I was finally able to suck in so many things, so many ideas, so many opportunities, conversations that I wouldn't have been able to have prior because I just wasn't in that state of being able to, like, write wonder, like, come up with alternative solutions, creatively think, and also, like, have fun.
1: Yeah. And I think I was right there with you. You know, I wanted to be an entrepreneur for many years and I was really jealous of people who did it. And I was like, I don't have anything to offer. Like, I don't have any good ideas, you know? And I honestly even had these super limiting beliefs around it. Like, to me, an entrepreneur was a white guy that was a tech genius who lived in the Silicon Valley. You know, it (laughs) was not like the shy foreign (laughs) kid like me. Like, it just did not compute that that was even a possibility for me. But when I took my break from alcohol, like, I remember seriously from going from zero ideas, like you're, you're mentioning, to sitting down in front of my computer in one afternoon, creating my entire website writing the entire structure for the chapters for my book, and it was like divine inspiration. Like something took over and like gave me all these ideas more in one afternoon than the entire decade before that, right? And I really do believe in that intuition and that being connected to something bigger than you and really allowing that to come through and that creativity gets really harnessed as well. Because I think the intuition is really spot on because I think we hear the message from the intuition most when we're doing something that's not aligned with who we want to be, and that voice is there. It's like, you know, you're made for more than this. You're made for more than this. You should be doing something different. But we keep ignoring it. So that relationship with the intuition isn't very strong. But you listen to it with this example. You you decide to take a break from alcohol, and then you also don't have any of that chemical thing clouding your brain, and you really form a bond with that intuition And oh my God, does she guide you? You know, she'll give you the first step, but then she'll give you the next step and the next step and the next step after that until you really build something solid and foundational for your life. And you're just like, where did that come from? (laughs) Yeah, it's so cool. Kind of like what
0: you're capable of. And I know that's cheesy and like so cliche, but like, when you're at a nine to five and right, you're just going through the motions and doing what everyone else does of like going a happy hour and that's the highlight of the week. And you just keep doing these things that aren't really contributing to your life in a positive way. Once you start to flip the script and really try things differently, you're like, holy crap. I like I figured something out, like something's happening, things. And then the, when it's up happening, I almost find like things just double and triple and quadruple. So like what was once easy a month ago is now 10 times easier Now, two months, you know, like it just ends up becoming easier and fluid. And like, because you listen to yourself, like, again, like you said, the intuition grows stronger because you now have a better relationship with it and you're not numbing yourself. So it's like you're able to, like you said, have those moments of divine channeling or whatever it is to then have those aha moments to then lay out a whole new foundation or the next chapter or whatever it looks like for you.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think that's what it's all about. It's like, it's not about a drink at the end of the day. It's about creating a life that you love and deciding what you want the most. Because trust me, it's not a glass of wine for anyone, right? If we're really being honest with ourselves, we have much deeper desires and dreams and gifts to unleash in this world. And, you know, we just need the courage and the faith and the belief in ourselves that that is our destiny, you know, and to lean into that. And it's so fulfilling, The high or the buzz that I get naturally now in my life in many different forms can't ever compare to alcohol. Yeah, agreed. Especially being a business owner, you're like, oh my God, I did this all about myself, right? (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's the thing too, is that like you said, the nine to five, like we fall into these ruts or these status quos and they look normal and they look successful on the outside, but we deny our own desires for so long or we don't believe that they're even possible for us. And I think there's something so beautiful about each person discovering what they really want to do and actually going for it. it. Sounds cheesy, but it's fulfilling your potential. It's like you have a destiny on this planet. And it's not to blend in and it's not to pay the bills and it's not to just check the boxes, you know? You have a gift that nobody else has and the world needs you, you know, the world needs you to show up in that format. And to me, I think taking a break from alcohol is the fastest road to get there because it's just like all these things that you need, the courage, the motivation, the discipline, the confidence, the pride, the energy, the enthusiasm, all of them happen naturally when you take a break. So to me, it's just why I'm so passionate about sharing this message because it's such a gift. But if you really feel like you want to be doing more and that you have these dreams on your heart— you don't have them accidentally, you know, like they were given to you. And it, I think it really is your destiny to fulfill them. And imagine what a world we would live in if people really live this way. I mean, we would be so much happier. We would be so much better connected. We would have such higher states of consciousness among us. I really think it's a powerful, powerful thing. And I'm just so appreciative of what you do and the conversations you have in your community around, you know, living life differently. Yeah, well, I mean, same thing goes for you. Like, it's on the other side. You just have to like do
0: the first step. And so, in some cases, we're moving out. Well, sometimes it's saying like, "Yo, I'm going to do my own thing." <laughs> both of them are both impactful. But yeah, I, I just I love this conversation because I don't know if I'll ever go back to drinking fully. Like, I'll have a drink every so often for like a special occasion, like a wedding or anything like that. And I won't go overboard. But it's funny though because the next day it's always like I shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have done that. And like, right, I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm just taking note. But like, it's so cool now to see that I can do so much and have such a great time and be me and it's totally fine without it.
1: Yeah. And I love your example because like sometimes for me, people might see me and be like, oh my gosh, she never drinks. Like that's intense. I could never get there. But there's so many roads to get to this happier, fulfilling place with your relationship with alcohol. And it only takes first experimenting and changing your mindset around it. And then you get to decide ultimately what that looks like for you. And the cool thing is, it's not about depriving yourself or saying you can't. Like you get to a place personally where you just don't want to drink those other times of year, you know? Like it's just not, a, not desirable.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, same as like a business owner too. I feel like, well, I know time is of the essence, right? You have an urgency to like make things work and you got to do this email and do that thing and this interview and whatever it is. And like, if you are not on your game, That could be the thing that, I don't want to say ruins your business, but it could be the opportunity you miss out on because you were exhausted, because you were hungover, whatever it is. But also like from it, like you said, an energy perspective, right? Biology, like when I don't drink, I gain back a minimum of 10 days per month, literally. If I drank every single weekend, that means probably about three days it takes me to just recuperate from a hungover perspective, let alone for my body, like physically needing to recuperate at the same time. That is a lot of wasted time, a lot. I don't like that. I'm all about, like, efficiency. So I was like, no, 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 we're not doing this. I have shit to do. Yeah.
1: I can't imagine, like, going on Facebook Live or whatever, Instagram Live, like, after a night of drinking. Like, I would just say, no thanks. I would not show up, basically. And that's the biggest difference between how I live today versus how I lived before is I'm playing big. I'm in the arena. I'm not going to be on the sidelines. I'm not going to keep pressing pause on my life goals. I'm not going to keep snoozing. I'm not going to play small in fear, you know, because— Yes, there's fear in what I do and what you do and taking this step, but that is nothing in comparison to the regret that we would feel if you didn't do the thing, you know? Oh, a million percent. I'm sure like now with your
0: book launching, you're probably like, well, what if people don't like it? Or what if I get a bad review or something like that? But at the same time, you're like a freaking author. That's amazing. You know how many people want, I want to be an um, author one day. Like, and you did the thing. Like that is so, you can tell people from like on your deathbed, like I did that. I didn't wallow in my shit. I didn't sit around waiting for it to happen. I, like, did it myself.
1: I did it. You have that, for sure, that gift in you. I know that. I'll be seeing your book on the bookshelves soon. But, you know, like, I had this dream of writing a book since I was six years old, and I used to write a lot when I was little. I used to journal a lot. I used to write short stories and poems, and I can literally trace when alcohol appeared in my life is when I stopped writing, Every year in my 20s, I had to make a New Year's resolution to write more because I always had this goal of writing a book. And every year, I never wrote more than a paragraph. And it was literally the first few months alcohol-free. I was writing voraciously. I wrote my first draft of this book. And, you know, it's four years later. Seriously, since then, like, I took every baby step to, you know, get an agent and get a book proposal and find a publisher and get the book f- polished and written and now doing all the marketing But I'm so proud of saying yes to that dream and going for it. I, again, long ago completely gave up. Like, that was even in the realm of possibilities. And I think, like, that's what it's all about. Like, if I could do it, anyone could do it. It's just one baby step after another and choosing your dreams over your fears and your drama.
0: Yeah, million percent. In this case, choosing a drink over, like, basically your life. Like, it's more important. Your livelihood is more important than, like, you potentially having FOMO because you didn't get hammered and blacking out of the bowling alley with your friends. Like, come on.
1: And nobody regrets not drinking the next day. Nobody, right? Like, nobody wakes up and is like, oh, I really wish I drank last night. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm always
0: so, like, excited that I have the whole day ahead of me. Like, I really am, especially on a weekend when it's, like, quiet time. It's the best. It's the best feeling. But anyway, I mean, we could talk about the subject for hours. It's one of my favorites. But like of all the gold nuggets you sprinkled, one of the things I like to leave off with all my guests is like a final send-off of if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be?
1: You know, my younger self just felt so alone and isolated and like that I couldn't figure life out and everyone else could. And I felt really just alone in that. Part of some of the reason why I share some of these statistics or just how normal it is to overdrink or just have a complicated relationship with alcohol Is so that younger version of me wasn't feeling so alone and just realized, you know, this is a part of the human condition. This is a part of growing up in a society that literally glamorizes and glorifies alcohol to the extent it does. Like, nobody escapes this kind of stuff. I really have been doing everything that I've done so far, my business, my book, is to talk to that past version of me. And to give her like a framework and some mindset shifts and just so she knows like there's so much goodness in store from her challenge. Like her challenge is going to literally unleash the greatest gift into the world that she has. And it is often in our pain and the most challenging moments and the things that we don't feel comfortable about ourselves, that often are our greatest gifts and sources of authenticity. So I would have that message for her. And um, I would hope that she would also read my book. I think it would really, really help her. And if anyone's interested, uh, you can find Euphoric Ditch Alcohol and gain a happier, more confident you at euphoricbook.com. I also have some really cool bonuses for anyone who pre-orders the book. So we have a mocktail recipe ebook, 50 things to do instead of drinking checklist to stave away any boredom, and also how to socialize confidently without alcohol. Honestly, when I first started going on my alcohol-free journey, I binged on this kind of stuff because I was like, oh, other people are out there talking about this. And not only am I not alone, but like there's this entire lifestyle, there's an entire movement of people who are choosing to live life without alcohol. I thought it was so cool. It really shocked my worldview. And, you know, some of my biggest heroes today don't drink, Tony Robbins, Brene Brown, Gabby Bernstein, Deepak Chopra, like you name them, there's so many people out there showing that the alcohol-free way is literally the secret to their success. And I think it's a cool thing to aspire to. No matter where you fall on the spectrum or what your desire and interest is in looking into your relationship with alcohol, like, the awareness and the curiosity will never hurt you and will probably uncover so many other cool truths about you that you you didn't see coming. So I'm just looking back at that younger version of me and seeing that really her mess was turned into her message. And that's really cool. So cool. I love the way you frame that mess into message. That's awesome. So other than,
0: um, well, the book Euphoric, obviously people can go and find that and pre-order it. But where else can they find you if they want to connect with you on Instagram, TikTok, like your website? Where can they find you?
1: Yeah. So I offer uh, programs and coaching for anyone who wants to change their relationship with alcohol as well as like a podcast and other resources. So you could find me at euphoricaf.com. And then um, on Instagram, I'm euphoric.af. And I'm I'm posting there almost daily some tips on, you know, living a happy alcohol-free life, changing your kind of worldview about this dominant alcohol society we live in. Because I think there's almost like a rebelliousness in it. You know, when you quit the nine to five, it's really rebellious because you're like, I'm not going to do what my parents did. I'm not going to buy into this like cookie cutter American dream. I'm going to go for it myself. And I think that same rebelliousness exists when you leave behind alcohol because you're saying the same things. Like, I don't need alcohol to have fun. I create my own fun. Yeah. And that's what like, I think this community particularly will be interested in this because we're
0: all about the rebels. We're like, F you to the man type of thing. So I think it's really, it's appropriate. And obviously it'll help them with their goals and all of that good stuff. So Yeah, so um, thank you so much for coming on. I'm
1: so excited for people to listen to this. No, thank you so much. You're such a gracious host and thank you so much for your listeners. So sensitive topic, it's a little taboo, but I think there's so much nuggets to discover about yourself really in it because we all have relationships with alcohol, like almost all of us, maybe 98% of us. And there's a lot of learning that can happen and self-discovery by just
0: peering into it. I agree as someone who's done it myself. So thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast. Visit corporatequitter.com for resources, extended content, and additional information about our guests. To connect with us, stay up to date on all things Corporate Quitter, and to learn more about how you can leave the nine to five, follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys.